have your Bibles with you, you can open up to the book of Isaiah today. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to take a moment to say hello to those of you that are watching online. Thanks for being a part of this community. We know there's reasons and seasons to be online. Uh, and we're just grateful that you're faithful and tuning in from wherever you're at. Uh, those of you that are watching this sometime later on YouTube, uh, it just means a lot that you tune in. And we hope that you experience the presence of God whenever, wherever you are right now. Uh, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, this is a, a very much a, a Christmas verse that we're going to look at. Uh, as we were preparing for Christmas Eve service, it's hard to just like pick one 30-minute message. There's so much good in there. So we actually had a, we had a pre-Christmas message, for those of you that were here a, a couple of weeks ago, and then we had a Christmas Eve message, and then we had an online-only Christmas message, and now is the post-Christmas Christmas message. So it's going to be great. Uh, you're going to get plenty of Christmas in, even though it's New Year. Uh, excited about this. As we're entering into the New Year, the scripture was uh, on my heart as we're considering Christmas, and the reality is this is the first Sunday of a new year. Um, I don't know what your 2021 was like, but in general, 2020 and 2021, uh, we all experienced uh, in various degrees some of a similar story of what has happened in the world and that's affected us in different ways. Now, although some of our story is shared, there's also been things in the last year or two that are individual to you. Some people have walked through uh, great excitements uh, and some people have gone through great trials. If you look back in this last year, there's been there has been hurt, there has been loss, there has been trial. Um, there, there's been a lot of stories of good and a lot of stories uh, that have been more heavy. Um, some people have walked through the beauty of marriage and some people have walked through the pain of divorce. Uh, some people have experienced new life in their families. Some have had to say goodbye and experience death in their families. There's been some of, of all sides. And the way that we respond to the good and the bad um, is, is various in our own personalities and the ways that we're designed. But even the good, uh, as well as the bad, sometimes can bring different levels of responses from us that are, whether it's, it's anxiety or it's stress or it's, it's just pain or loss or excitement, we, we've got various emotions. But as I look back on this last year and I hear the story specifically even within our church, I feel like the greatest challenge, not to neglect the, the blessings that we've walked through, but I feel like the greatest challenge that continually comes up in conversation is the word anxiety. Uh, this seems to be prominent, and I know some of it is related to what we have experienced globally. Some of it is related to what you've gone through personally. Some of it is the way that, that you're wired, you're designed. And uh, so there may be various components of why you're feeling anxiety or why that has been prominent. But I feel like the word of the year that we just saw over and over and over as we're talking to people and counseling and in our groups and conversations is anxiety at a higher level than experienced in the past. Whether that is a crippling anxiety or this lower level new anxiety for you, anxiety seems to be so common. And again, not just because of our shared experience, some of it is personal experience, but anxiety seems to be at an all-time high. Now, I want to talk about anxiety today as we enter into the new year, and I want to be very careful um, to not overlook in any way uh, mental health. I think mental health is getting a lot more attention, and it ought to, that there are components um, to mental health that, that need to be taken incredibly seriously. And I don't want to, by any means, just slap a couple Bible verses on anxiety and say, so stop being anxious. Uh, there is serious mental health that needs to be looked into and, and considered. And uh, we are pro doctors and there's the right time for medications and therapists and counseling. And that I believe that that is some of God's gift to us to access wholeness and healing is, is through, through the science that God has given us, through the experts in our community, 
that we, this is not at all a, let's just look at a couple Bible verses and stop being anxious. But I do today want to take a moment to look at the great physician. What he has to say, not just about our physical well-being, but about our mental well-being. And this, again, I want to say it very clearly. This is not to neglect what, what a doctor can do, what seeing a therapist and a counselor can do. That's not my world. That's not my department. I'm here to, to be a teacher of God's words. So that's what we're going to look at today. And it doesn't mean it's the only component that might be valuable to you. But we are going to look at that most specifically today. What does our God, our great physician, have to say? And uh, as we enter into a new year, I love that what defined you last year doesn't have to define you this year, that it doesn't have to be the word of the year. Again, how we have developed where we're at today is not who we have to be tomorrow. I'm believing that 2020 is going to be a year that will be defined differently than 2021, that we will not see the same anxiousness continually perpetuating in our lives and in our community, that there's going to be something new. Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, would you underline the government shall be upon his shoulders? And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now there's so much we could dig into uh, in this text and the names of Jesus uh, that we're not gonna get into today. Uh, maybe next Christmas we'll talk through these names a little bit more. Um, but I do love that what we know of our God, of our Jesus, that this child that was given to us and that we celebrate at Christmas, one of his names is he is the Wonderful Counselor relating to counseling, therapy, the mental health that we need, that our most valuable counselor that we could run to is, is Jesus. But what I want to major on today uh, is the government shall be upon his shoulders. That the gift of Jesus, amongst various other gifts, one aspect of the gospel is the government is on his shoulders. Now, I know the word government, we naturally go to uh, the structures of our judicial system and the presidency, and, and uh, I, I, not to say that that isn't the case at all here, but I want to make this a lot more personal. And I want us con to consider that government, uh, in, in, in scriptural times and in the, the kingdom of God, government is not an elected position. The ruler of a government, it's, it's a kingship. It's a lordship that it is ultimate authority and responsibility is on the leader. It's on the king. And Jesus, he came to be king. He came not just to be our savior, but to be our Lord, to be complete authority. And so to make this personal, I want to say the government, the direction, the control, the management, the lordship of your life is to be on his shoulders. Now, this shows up in various ways, the pressures, the responsibilities, the goals, the to-do list, the decisions that need to be made, that these rest on the shoulders of Jesus, that part of what we celebrate in the, in the, the gift of Jesus in Christmas is that these weights and ruling of life are to be on his shoulders. All of humanity, if we are honest, regardless of religious affiliation, we are all looking for direction. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What is the purpose of my life? What am, what am I supposed to do with my life? We're looking for direction. And we're all looking to be right. We're looking for truth. No one wants to be wrong. We want to be more right than the other people. We want to be more right than we used to be. And, and we're looking for that which can bring us life, bring us joy, bring us fulfillment. Like this is what humanity is looking for in so many different ways. And I love that Jesus summarizes that he's the answer to all of this when he says, I am the way, 
I am the truth and I am the life. That Jesus, he is what we are searching for. He is where we find direction, hope, purpose. He's where we find truth. He is where we find life and life to the fullest. That this is found in Jesus. That the way of trying to figure all of this out that all humanity is searching for. Jesus says, hey, it's right here. All of what you're looking for, all the weight, responsibility, the struggle that you're trying to achieve in life, you can find it in relationship with me. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this concept here with you today. Um, do we have anybody in the room that is a golfer? Do we got golfers in the room? We got a, just a couple, okay. Uh, I'm not a golfer, um, so I'm a bit insecure using this analogy. So if I'm wrong, just tell me later, not publicly. Uh, I, I'm not a huge golfer, uh, but I do have my own set of golf clubs. And this is, uh, this is my nine iron, or six, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a golfer, just you hit things with it. Uh, I do have my own set of clubs because uh, when Danny and I got married, uh, I was kind of interested in getting better at golf. I was only like a video game golfer. Pretty good. Uh, it was like, hey, I could pr I'm good at this. I could probably do it in real life. And uh, Danny was looking to get me some golf clubs. And uh, we, we didn't have a ton of money. And golf clubs are expensive. In fact, we had like no money. Um, but she wanted to get me clubs. And so found out at Costco a full set. And it's got a, its own golf bag and everything. And at Costco, you know, they, they're only going to put out a quality product. But I know that there are much better golf clubs out there, much more expensive. Like a single club would be more than my whole uh, set. But um, Danny was asking me, like, hey, I'm thinking about getting you these. She's like, I don't know golf very well. I don't know good golf brands. These are Niklauses. And I was like, I don't know much about golf either. But I do know there's a famous golfer named Jack Nicholas, not Niklaus. I was like, I'm guessing it's Nicholas's, not Niklaus's, uh, which is accurate. But from that day forward, these have been my Niklaus clubs. So I brought my either six or nine iron Niklaus club uh, with me today. And, uh, and I've golfed with them a few times. And I've not hit very many good shots, but I've golfed a few times. But as I uh, was getting into golf, uh, I was trying to learn a little bit better of how to uh, have more consistency um, and not just try to hit the ball as hard as I could. And so this, is, this epiphany came as I was playing video game golf. Uh, we had a Wii at the time, and not just a Wii, we had the Wii balance board. Anybody else have the Wii Fit back in the day? You had the board, it was so fun. And uh, Tiger Woods PGA on the Wii, I bought this, and you could uh, either play just normal where you're swinging the Wiimote, or you could attach your balance board. And so instead of just swinging it, you are standing in front of your TV on the Wii balance board. And it's evaluating not just the swing of the Wiimote, but also what's happening with your feet. And so as I'm learning this, this Tiger Woods game, it's telling me uh, this, this thing pops up as it's saying, hey, we want you to know that this game is not just looking at the swing, but we're going to gauge the weight shift of your feet. And it begins to introduce this concept of the weight shift. They are going to, this balance board is going to determine how well you're shifting weight back and forth as you swing the club. And that will impact the distance, accuracy, trajectory of your shot as much as swinging the Wiimote would. And so I'm spending all of this time not even swinging it, but just like working on what's the weight shift look like as I'm swinging the club and trying to get my feet right because that's what matters. And, uh, and so actually I, I go, and the next time we're out golfing, I have this buddy who's really good at golf and I'm asking him, hey, tell me a little bit more about the weight shift. And he's like, well, the shifting of your weight from one foot to the other is like one of the most important parts of your golf swing. It's not just about hitting the ball in the sweet spot. It's not just about how hard you swing. It's shifting your weight properly. And he begins to tell me more and more. He says, like, if you're swinging and you, uh, 
You keep all your weight on your back foot. This is what's known as a baseball swing. And uh, you, your feet are, uh, your weight's on the back. You kind of move your body away from the ball. This is where uh, you might get a little bit of loft on it, but you cha- you, your distance and your accuracy goes way down because all your weight's back here, and you, the ball might skyrocket, uh, but your distance and your accuracy is not going to go very far. This is when you swing with all your might, uh, and you might contact the ball well, which to be honest, I'd rather crush the ball way over there than a dink shot down the, the fairway, but it just makes me feel better. But he's like, that's, that's the problem is the baseball swing. You just try as hard as you can, but it's frustrating because your accuracy and your distance go down. He says, on the other hand, if you shift too much to the front, this is where you top the ball, you close the face of your club, and you're not going to get any trajectory. Your distance is going to be hindered because it's going to stay low, and you might just top the ball. He's like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't right. What's best is the proper way weight shift where, and he demonstrated it, he just barely swung the club, but he shifts the weight right and just barely swings it and the ball is just straight and distance is great. And uh, he says it's all about the weight shift where most of your weight transfers from the back to the front. And if you see those good golfers, they got that cool stance at the end where they're just on the back toe. There's not a lot of weight back there. There's something, they're not up in the air, but there's a little bit of weight on the back, but most of the weight on the front. And it's just this beautiful swing that one day I will experience. Um, So much of it comes down to the weight shift. Prop Sunday is a good Sunday. You don't get these very often. I want to use this as an analogy, a metaphor to the weight of life and the shift that's to be taken place from our shoulders to his shoulders. And I love the concept that the right swing is the majority of the weight shifting from back to front, but it's not a full abandonment. I want to say this that the vast majority of all the weight is to be on Jesus' shoulders. But what is great about this is following Jesus isn't this abandonment of all responsibility. Well, God's just going to do what God's going to do, and I'm going to sit back and engage in nothing. There's no responsibility on my life. Now, the weight is on his shoulders, that he is carrying the heavy load, but there is a partnership that we do get, that there is still decisions that we get to make. There's still responsibility and purpose that we get to engage with. We get to put forth effort, but what we don't put forth is earning. The gospel is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. We do what we do in response to the gospel because our faith is so sincere that we are engaging in what God is calling us to do, but we're not doing what we do in order to try to earn God's favor, earn God's purpose, earn God's vision. No, we shift the weight to him, but we still have a little toe on the ground that makes us feel pretty good about doing something. But to be honest, the weight is to be on his shoulders. Uh, maybe you've watched golf on TV because that's a really wise use of your time because it takes all day. Uh, but if you watch golf on TV, like these guys just make it look so easy. It's so simple. And then you go out like, I could do that. I can swing this metal stick and hit that ball. And then you try it and it is so frustrating. And it's because they, they've taken the time to figure out how to swing properly. And even though you might be trying harder, their results are greater. And maybe it's not because they're just, uh, you know, they're getting lucky every time. Maybe it's because they've understood and learned how to shift weight properly. But it's frustrating when you can't do the same. I think sometimes you can look around and see other believers, other Christians, and they just make it look so easy. Like, man, they make following Jesus look way easier than it feels for me. Like, they seem to just really love God. They love going to church. They 
consistently read their Bible and it seems like they enjoy it. They're quoting verses from books of the Bible I didn't even know existed. Like, this is crazy. They love worship. Like, they, how long can they keep their arms up in the air? Like, how strong are the shoulders of some Christians? Like, I haven't had my arms up that long since circles and PE in high school. Like, how do they do this? These Christians, they're amazing. Or maybe it's just like, hey, their, their relationships seem to work. They got standards or self-discipline or they don't seem to have the same bondage to addictions. And it looks like these other believers, they're just, they're just, it's so easy for them, but it's not the same for me. I would like to propose that maybe, maybe it's not that their life is so much easier and it's not that they're trying harder, but maybe they have learned the beauty of the grace of the weight shift then maybe they're not swinging harder. Maybe they have learned what it's like to live life, taking the weight of life and putting it on the shoulders that they belong. I think too often, follower of Jesus, we look like amateur golfers, trying so hard, swinging as hard as we can and not getting the results that we want. And sometimes the harder you try, the more effort you put in, the harder you swing and the worse the results are, the more frustrated you get and the easier it is to just say, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a golfer. I think this happens far too often in spiritual realms. To be honest, we've seen it far too often in the church. It's like exciting at first. Okay, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be in this community. And this is exciting. And there's, a, like, there's this, this vision of what life could be and what God's going to do in my life and how he's going to use me and this calling and this purpose. And, yet, and then I try, and I'm going to be better, and I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to get rid of these bad habits. I'm going to start these ones. I'm going to be faithful. I'm gonna, and, and we try, and we work really hard. But sometimes we find ourselves in a spot where I'm trying really hard, like an amateur golfer swinging for the fences, and yet the results I'm getting seem so frustratingly poor. And maybe we feel like we're frustrated, want to quit, leave church or leave the faith altogether. This happens far too often. And my hope and my prayer is that this is not what happens to you. And I think the greatest way to keep us in the game is to exercise the beauty of the gift of the weight shift. Taking what is on my shoulders and learning how to put them in their appropriate place. I think the ultimate question then would be, how? Okay, that sounds nice. How do I learn to transition this, this weight, this frustration, this this anxiety off of my shoulders? How do I get it off onto the shoulders of Jesus? Um, we're going to make it really simple and practical and certainly not exhaustive today. But point number one of two today, number one is spiritual disciplines. How? Through spiritual disciplines, which are various. There are many of them. I just want to focus on, we'll just call them the big three today. It's worship, it's prayer, and it's reading the Bible. Worship, prayer, reading the Bible. So simple. But this is, these are the greatest opportunities that we have to shift weight off of our shoulders onto his shoulders. It's through times of prayer, communion with Jesus, worshiping, expressing his goodness, his greatness, his character, not just focusing on me and how I feel and what's going on in my life, but the goodness of God. And it's digging into the word of God and discovering who he is. And the word of God, it is alive and it is active. And those of you that read it know how consistently it speaks to exactly what you're going through on any given day. You're like, I mean, I, I, I didn't read the last three days because God was setting me up for today and I felt bad about it. But like God's word is always just, it is speaking to where we're at in any given time. 
that these are ways that we begin to shift weight off of ourselves onto him when we spend time in worship, prayer, and reading God's word, which is a valuable component of us coming together corporately like we are right now. Again, we've made it very clear that our primary purpose in gathering is not for what we get out of it, that we are here to minister to the Lord, minister to others, but we are in a, com- a place in a community where our needs will be met, where the word of God will feed and build us up. I want to tell you some of the beauty, one aspect of the beauty of coming together is that we always, when we come together, we worship and we pray and we dig into the word of God. And some of you have experienced that. Maybe you've not put the pieces together, but you have walked in feeling a certain weight and left with the same circumstances facing you, but you feel lighter. You feel refreshed. There's a breath of fresh air. What is this? It is times where you have shifted the weight The circumstances may still be the same, but the responsibility has shifted because you have spent time in worship. You've spent time in prayer. You've spent time with other people of faith. You've spent time in the word of God. And these are moments, and you've probably experienced it, where the weight still exists, but you don't feel it pressing on your shoulders the way that it was when you walked in. I want to tell you, worship, prayer, and reading the word, it's not isolated to Sunday morning. Here's the secret that feeling that you can get in the presence of God is with you anywhere you go. You can choose on Tuesday when life's feeling a little much right now. You can engage in worship. You can engage in the word of God. You can engage in prayer. You can be in a group in midweek. You can say to them, hey, this is what I'm going through. And a group can be with you. That there is opportunity for you outside of Sundays. Yes, it's great when we all come together. We can all experience it together. And someone can teach the word of God to you. And someone can lead you in that worship. And someone can lay hands on you and pray for you. It is beautiful. And we ought to be faithful to this gathering. But it is not just this gathering that provides the weight shift in your life. Don't wait till next Sunday to shift the weight again. You're exhausted on Monday. What are you doing waiting six days? Do it right here, right now, wherever you're at, in your house, in your car, you can shift the weight. The reality is, is we all face various pressures every single day, whether it's work pressures, family pressures, financial pressures, uh, whether it's it's, uh, pressures with expectations, sexual pressures, schedule, there's so much. And if we don't learn how to handle pressure properly, No wonder it results in anxiety, isolation, loneliness, guilt, regret. And we find ourselves going to other sources to try to find relief. Some of us, we, we, we go to, to, to alcohol or we go to drugs or we go to comfort food or, or we go to mindless time on a screen just to get a break, get relief. And then the cycle begins where like, but we didn't get done what we need to get done. So now the pressure is higher and the stress is more. And, and so we go back to these other ways to try to cope with it. And we find ourselves in this cycle that is so unhealthy. I want to tell you, there is a better answer and it is the weight shift. And if we have this pressure every single day, we need to spend time with Jesus every single day. I love that you come to church on Sundays. It's been amazing to see your faithfulness, your consistency, the growth of this church. Uh, that's not where you find your ultimate solution is gathering once a week. You spend time with Jesus every day. And when you don't have a relationship with God or you choose not to draw near to him through worship, through prayer, through reading the word, you're continuing to try to make it through life with the weight of the world on your shoulders. By the looks of it, the weights that we're all experiencing aren't going away. The stresses, the opinions, the tension. Are we going to just continue to try to cope with this 
the ways that we have learned, or do we learn to shift them onto the shoulders of God where he intended them? John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That Jesus came to give his followers life and life to the full. Some of your translations say abundantly, like lots of it. And the thief came to steal, to take that life, to take that abundance away. That there is a God who loves you and wants to give you abundance. And there is an enemy who hates you and wants to steal it. Like this is happening. And we see elsewhere the fruits of following Jesus, the fruits of having the Holy Spirit in our lives are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like this can be developed inside of each of us. The problem that is too prevalent in the church, too prevalent in followers of Jesus is too often it feels like the enemy is winning. That when I look at the condition of our lives, it feels like the joy has been stolen. The peace has been stolen. That there is more fear, more worry, more anxiety, more unrest. And there is a lack of self-discipline, a lack of peace, a lack of generosity. That it seems like Jesus came to give me this. But when I look around, it feels like that's been taken from me and I'm living another way. There is a problem when we recognize that maybe what God intended my life to look like, give me life to the fullest, isn't what I'm experiencing today. I love that it says that God, Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. A full life is not a responsibility free life. He didn't come to give us a life that was so easy, so simple, everything's taken off your plate, you just exist until you die, have fun. No, no, he gave us life to the fullest. Life is to be full if you're following Jesus. Uh, for the last several years, our family has, uh, we, we believe that language matters. There's certain things we will say, certain things we, we choose not to say. Um, but we have chosen to eliminate the word busy from our vocabulary. Everybody is busy. Everyone is filling their time up with something. Everyone's busy. But we've chosen to say, no, right now, this season of life, our life is very full. Because busy seems like the enemy. No, I should just have all this free time to relax and lay around and watch Netflix. I want to be free from busy. I'm convinced that a life following Jesus is to be a very full life. Because we have a very short time on this planet. There's purpose for your life. And there is influence. And there is relationships. And there is calling on your life. And we only have a short lifespan to live out that calling. And we've got eternity of rest in the presence of God. We'll be worshiping him free from all of this. But we have one shot. And God didn't say, I'm going to give you one shot and no responsibility in it. He's like, no, I'm going to give you life and it's going to be super full. And I've just got this conviction, not that there shouldn't be seasons of rest, and we are for vacation, and we're for being healthy and having good rhythms and boundaries. I'm all for that. But I am convinced that if my life is not full, I'm probably not living out the calling that God has placed on my life. It's supposed to be full. Why are we running from a full life? I believe that life should be full, but it's not supposed to be stressful. The promises of God is like, hey, let me give you a full life, a calling, a purpose, a direction, a drive that ought to get you out of bed and fill up your schedule. But how can we learn of that full responsibility? Can you learn to handle that the weight of it is on my shoulders? And I'm going to let you engage and fulfill those purposes and calling, but stop keeping the weight on you and letting the enemy steal the joy of the calling on your life. The peace that you're supposed to walk in while your life is incredibly full. Convinced of a full life is a life following Jesus, but not full of distress. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says this, humble yourselves, 
therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves by casting all your anxieties on him because God cares for you. Cast, shift that weight off of you onto him because he cares for you. You ever see someone hurting, someone sick, and you're like, I just wish I could take that sickness from them because you love them, because you care for them. You would rather hurt. You'd rather be sick than see them suffer. This is the way Jesus feels towards you. Here's the beauty. We can cast that on him. When I consider weight shifting, weight shifting is so much better than any drug you can take any booze you can drink, any comfort food that you go to, any screen time that numbs you temporarily, because it, it, it's not just this temporary patch. Like, it actually shifts the weight off of your shoulders, and it's not to come back. Like, I, this is just so incredible, so beautiful. I think what's amazing, I've never seen this before, is the connection between humbling yourself and turning your anxieties over to God. How do we humble ourselves? By turning over anxiety, I've never seen this before, but there's this connection of the humility it takes to recognize the anxiety that you have and that you're going to shift it off of your shoulders. Meaning there is some level of connection between anxiety and pride. I want to say this sometimes, not every time. Sometimes. Your anxiety is a symptom of a greater problem called your pride. Probably not going to get a lot of amens for the next two minutes. That's okay. You know what some of our anxiety is due to? An overinflated view of self. I'm so important. I need to take on this job. I need to take on this responsibility. I need to get better. I need to grow. I need to change. I need to decide. We begin to put so much pressure on me. It's actually pride. It's causing anxiety, sometimes. But I believe some of us here today are struggling with anxiety because we think too highly of ourselves. And the repentance that needs to take place today is, I'm not that big of a deal. I'm gonna be faithful to my calling. I'm gonna work hard to what you've designed me for. I'm gonna be driven for purpose, but I'm not gonna have an overinflated view of myself that produces anxiety. Some anxiety is due to a greater issue of pride. If you are struggling with anxiety, I'm not going to diagnose that pride is the primary cause, but I think it is worth investigating. I think it's worth asking God, how much of this anxiety is due to my inflated view of myself? How much of this is pride that I can repent from? How much of this is putting too much on my shoulders that you never asked me to carry? And when we come and we lay down our anxiety before him, it is the most humbling thing we could do. Humble yourselves by casting your cares on him, by putting your pride down and putting your weight on Jesus. I love the word cast. Danny always makes fun of me. She says, I always use the word demonstrative when I talk about the word cast. I'm not going to say it, although I just did. Uh, what I love about cast is it's like a very expressive verb. Is that better? Uh, it's expressive. Casting is not a uh, 
ice fishing where you drop the line down the hole. Casting is like you are using your whole body. You're seeing how far you can get that line. Uh, I know you, you fishermen have been in casting contests to see how far we can get this thing. Casting is, is, is expressive. It is, it is throwing. It is, it, is, it is not a simple like handing it over, dropping, passing off, delicately placing. Casting is it, it's, it's very expressive. And we're told that God cares enough about us and he asks us to be humble enough to not just delicately slide over our anxieties, hoping that God can take it. So we're supposed to cast it. We're supposed to cast it. I think sometimes we feel like, well, if I'm really going to cast, um, it's not going to look very spiritual. It's going to look a little aggressive. He said to cast. He didn't say, will you piously with great language and verbiage and quietly in the soft voice pray a simple prayer of asking if I'm willing to possibly, if it's within your desire for my life, take this burden from me. No, he says, cast it. Why are you being so careful? We are to throw it on him. He cares about us and wants to take it. My second point is spiritual disciplines in the form of casting. Point number one is spiritual disciplines. Point number two is spiritual disciplines in the form of casting. I think some often our forms of prayer, worship, and scripture times are not casting. Again, some don't pray, worship, read. But those that do, so often it's, it's not casting. It's this formal religious practice. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 I can handle this. I can take it. Cast, don't delicately place. I want to tell you again, this should happen all throughout the week, not just coming to church on a Sunday, but this being an opportunity for us to engage in the word of God, to pray together and to worship together. Um, I just want to let you know that coming to church is not an opportunity for you to just look good and look like you have it together. It's not casting. This is a great opportunity for us to come together and cast, to worship expressively, to engage in the word of God, to pray. Some of us, when you walk in on a Sunday morning, you should be sprinting to that banner, waiting for the prayer team to show up because you got to cast. i got so much going on in my life right now. I need God to move in my life today. I'm ready to just let this go. Some of you, when worship begins, it's not about, do I have it all together? And do, does, do I, am I attracting attention? No, some of you need to hit your knees. It's just like, God, I need you right now. God, this week has been too much. I don't know how I'm going to face what's coming this next week. I need you right now that I'm, I, I'm putting all of my hope in you and not myself. When the word of God is opened up and we're teaching, you should be leaning in, underlining, highlighting, taking notes, like engaged with the content because, God, I need you right now. I'm not just showing up because a good Christian goes to church on Sunday. Like, I need you right now. This is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I've got anxiety. Instead of distancing myself from the body, I'm leaning in and saying, I need you to pray for me. I need to worship right now. I don't care what I look like. I need to cast some weight. That we have this beautiful opportunity to, to cast. And if God is God, and he knows you, not only can he handle your honesty, He's already aware. You're not going to surprise God by telling him you're a little worked up this week. He knows. He knows. And if the church is the church, we're not going to shame you for casting. We're going to come beside you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to speak life. We're going to speak faith. We're going to speak hope. We're going to speak scripture into your life. 
And too many times we're too reserved to cast. And when there's a body of people around you ready to lift you up, you come in and you leave and no one's aware of how they could be encouraging you. We're not here to just look good for each other. This is an opportunity to have the weights of life shifted off of us onto him and we can do this together. That's, we need to come together to cast. Some people choose escape. Whether your escape again is a substance, some form of addiction, some form of just passing time. But the greatest opportunity we have to permanently shift weight is not escaping, not isolating. It's through casting. It's through coming before Jesus. Um, I'd like to say that casting, although some of us prefer to maybe process another way, maybe choose escape, casting is actually pretty natural for humanity. But I think we generally use a different term than casting. We say venting, dumping, unloading. I know you've had a good venting session over the holidays with somebody. You just got to let someone know how much that person's on your last nerve. Like we, we do cast, some more common than others. But we, we've got that person that we vent to. We've got that place that we, we unload. I think too often our problem isn't that we don't ever cast. It's that we cast the wrong direction. I'm going to ask the band to join me. Spencer, I'm going to use you for a little illustration here. I think too often uh, we do cast. We just cast the wrong direction. Dude, you guys are here for a dual prop Sunday. This, does, this, is, this, is, a, this is the unicorn of Sundays. Um, <laughs> Here you go, Spence. You get the hiking backpack. See, I think the problem is that too often uh, we cast, we just cast the wrong way. I've got my life, my bag, my weights, my responsibilities. And uh, I come to Spencer, and it's a venting session. And I just come to him and say, like, hey, man, here is all of my struggles with my job. And I vent to him. Here's what's going on in my finances, and this is the weight that I'm carrying here. And I can come to him and say, this is what's going on with my kids and what's going on with my marriage. And, and I, I begin to cast this weight. And we have this conversation. I'm able to vent and dump a little bit and be like, man, thanks for listening to me. That felt so good. And I walk away and I can feel lighter. This feels nice. It felt good to dump. But what's the problem? Because I've just now taken my weights and I put them on Spencer. Now Spencer's like, man, what do I do? They're in a financial bind. Is there something we can do for them? Man, I really should spend more time investing in their relationships and their marriages. And man, what, what do we do about this? And, and now what I've done is I've given Spencer weight that he was never supposed to carry, that I was never supposed to carry, but I feel better because I got to vent to somebody else. Or what happens is we get inventing groups and uh, I, I share everything with Spencer, and he's like, oh yeah, me too. And I've got uh, this issue in my life, and my boss doesn't understand me, and this and that. And uh, he gives me his burdens as I've given him mine. And then we're like, oh, sweet, this was great. We should get together again, and we walk away. And all we've done is exchange burdens. And then we wonder, like, man, that felt good for a minute. It was really nice to have someone listen to me. It was great to get this off my chest. But there is no healing. There is no wholeness. There is no completion because the weight was never supposed to go that way and have any long-term resolution. I love that you have a friend that you can talk to. And I hope we can be a church and a community where we can be honest with each other. 
But the goal is not just how, how can I get someone in my life that I can burden with what I'm walking through and load them up more? Or get in a group where we can just shift burdens around and, and feel better about ourselves, but never actually get anywhere. You see, we cast, but we are never intended to carry the weight on our own. We are never intended to just cast to each other. We are to cast them on Jesus. I'd like to propose this thought. You can see where someone's faith truly lies based on the direction that they cast or don't cast or where they escape to. Let me make it more personal for you. You can see where your faith actually lies based on where you cast when the anxiety is rising, when the stress, the weight of life, the decisions that need to be made, the frustration that you're feeling, where you do cast, where you don't cast, or what you choose to escape to. We can talk a big game about our faith. What's your casting look like? Where do you go to? See, the governing of my life, my job, my calling, my problems, my decisions, my struggles, my regrets, the governing of life is to be on his shoulders. I'm grateful for friends and family that I can be open about life with, but it's to be on his shoulders. I'll tell you the weight of your life, your struggles, your challenges, your decisions, your problems, your job, your family. It's on his shoulders. So I gotta be honest, it's actually such a relief as a pastor and a re big relief that we need to remind us as a staff that the weight of even your life is not on our shoulders. Because there's a tendency to hear the struggles, hear the requests for marriage counseling and all the needs and the financial issues and the, can you help us with this, find this job? And it's like, well, we love you, so we wanna do something about it, but it's really a lot. When I don't know how to govern the weight of my life, and now we're trying to take on the weight. So I was just, it's such a relief to recognize again and again, your weight is real. And as a church, we ought to engage and be supportive and help each other and be the church with each other. But the weight of it, it's not on your pastor's shoulders. It's not on our staff's shoulders. That our job is to continually create a community, a place where we can be honest, we can be real. We can bring our, our, our junk to the table, our anxieties, our problems, our struggles, and we can help each other carry those burdens, not in our own backpacks, but we carry them to the cross of Jesus. Where we say, man, I'm sorry that you're going through this. I love you and I'm here for you. And we're gonna pray right now. And I'm gonna send you scripture tomorrow morning when I'm reading the Bible and he equips my heart to encourage you. And I'm gonna check in on you after the doctor's appointment. Like I'm gonna walk through this with you. But it's not on our shoulders to just shift around the weights to each other and hope we make it another year. There's a better answer. When someone says, hey, this is the need in my marriage. This is the diagnosis. This is the loss. This is the pain. I'm so anxious right now. We walk with each other to the cross of Jesus and say, I don't have the answer. I can't carry your weight, but I know where it belongs. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's open up the word. Let's be engaged in these spiritual disciplines. Today, some of you are carrying weight, burdens. You need to cast them. Not to me, not to each other, but to Jesus. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? Last verse I want to read, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Rest is available. The weight being shifted off you is available. What you do is go to Jesus. He says, come to me. Come to me. Take that step. I'll carry the brunt of the weight, but will you take that step? Come to me, all of you, anyone, with any burden, any weight, and I can give you rest. We're going to sing one last song together, and during this time, this is a time of response. For some of you, it's, it's a time of repentance. For some of you, it's a time of casting. I'm going to ask uh, the Powells in our prayer team, if you'll be available over here, some of you need to go and pray with somebody right now. Some of you, maybe you just need to sit or kneel at your seat. But let's not just sing a song and leave here in seven minutes. Let's cast. Let's shift some weight right now. Lord, I'm so grateful that you care. I'm so grateful that you can carry the weight that we struggle to carry. I'm so grateful that we do not have to be bound and defined by anxiety, by hurt, by loss, by pain. Lord, I'm praying and believing that 2022 is going to be a year that is full but not heavy. It's going to be a year where we experience your rest, but it's not going to be inactive. It's going to be a year of casting, but in the right direction. God, that we get to experience a shift of weight. That there is calling, there is purpose for each individual, for family. And God, we're going to cast to you. Lord, some today just need to cast about the anxiety in their own home. Their spouse that's drinking too much. Their kids that are living so far away from the way that parents thought they raised them. There needs to be a casting today casting of the burdens of, of work, a casting of the pride of thinking of how important we are and how much we need to load our schedules with. God, let, there, let this be a moment of casting. Father, we thank you that you care and you want to take the weight. You want to take the anxiety. You want to take the burden. And so Lord, we cast to you. We pray for those who maybe for their mental health, need some direction. God, give wisdom. If there's someone they need to meet with, a doctor they need to visit, God, would you just give direction and wholeness and healing? And this would be a year that is not defined by what the enemy has stolen, but it's going to be defined by the abundance of life that you give. God, this will be a year defined, no matter what the circumstances, that there is joy and there is peace and there is love, and there is patience, and there is gentleness, there is faithfulness, there is self-control, that this is evidence coming out of our lives, not because of our new strategies and tactics, because of who you are, because you carry the weight. Father, we love you, and we worship you. As we take these last few minutes together, I want to encourage you to cast. Maybe you need to come pray with somebody over here. Maybe it's in your own seat. But uh, let's take these next couple minutes. This isn't me talking to you. This is you in the presence of God. Let this be a personal moment with you, and we'll close in just a few minutes.